So we have Easter in two weeks. Now, something special happens at Easter, and it's not, I'm not talking about the church service. We've already talked about that. A lot of you are going to be having this Easter lunch, Easter supper, some type of maybe meal with family members, and here's what's going to happen. You're going to gather around the table. You're going to be so excited. You're celebrating Jesus together. Yeah. Ham, turkey, or sandwiches. I don't know. But then your cousin's spouse that you don't really like to begin with starts talking. And you know the second that they open their mouth... You're going to hate every word that comes out of it because you disagree with everything that they agree with. And you're gripping your fork and your spoon. And you're having really, really mean thoughts in your head of what to do with that fork and spoon. So what do you do? What do you do when you have to share life with someone that you disagree about everything with? What do you do when you go to work and you start talking about different perspectives, viewpoints, and the people around you start chiming in the opposite? What do you do when you're here at Thrive and someone is not a part of your political party? Bum, bum, bum. That is something I'm so thankful for at Thrive is our diversity. Now... Let me go ahead and let you know something. You are not alone in this. Did you know? And if you didn't, you're about to find out. The Apostle Paul, the entire of Romans 14 that we're going to look at today, Paul deals with this. Paul is dealing with believers that are having disagreements. And what Paul is going to be unpacking and what we're going to look at today, if this writing is how can we... You, me, everybody live in harmony and still be in disagreement about some things. I know what you're thinking, Keith. That's an oxymoron. And it might seem that way, but it's not. Because when we look at the body of Christ globally, there is diversity. There are things that other Christians believe or think or feel that they look at in scripture and you may not fully agree with it. And guess what? I'm going to say something and some of you are either going to lean in, some of you are going to tune out and some of you might walk out. (laughs) That's okay. How do we deal with these gray areas in scripture? Because they're there. How do we deal with the gray areas in our life, in your life, in my life? The areas that are not clearly spoken about in Scripture. What do we do with those? I'm so glad you asked. Turn with me to Romans chapter 14. We're actually going to start in verse 20 because that's kind of like the synopsis of this entire chapter. And then we're going to go backwards to verse 1. So here's again, here's what we've got to remember about this. This is a very diverse church. This church that Paul was writing to is in the capital of the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire at this time in history is the top dog. They run everything. They run the world. Who run the world? Rome. Sorry, that was a very stupid joke. It was huge for travel. 
You have individuals that when they become Christ followers, some of them are leaving pagan religions. Some of them are Gentiles. And if you're wondering, what is a Gentile? Anyone that is not Jewish. Then you also had Jewish believers in this church. And what happens and what we're going to read about, there was this conflict, this tension between these two groups of people, between the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers. And a lot of what we're going to read about is this dietary law that the Jewish believers, that they lived by, they adhered to uh, because of the Levitical law that they grew up with. They knew that that's just their life. And these Gentiles, they're giving them grief about it. The Gentiles are actually thinking they, we actually have stronger faith because we don't have your silly superstitions. So there's this tension that they're having to work through, that Paul is having to help them navigate through, uh, again, in this portion and really throughout the New Testament, you read about moments like this. Because why this is such a big deal is, see, when Christianity first started, when it first launched, if you will, the main uh, number of believers were Jewish. And then the gospel was presented to everyone else, the Gentiles. And then Paul, again, being one of the leading teachers of really Jewish law and his upbringing, he is now leading churches and bridging this gap between Gentiles and Jews. How can these two groups of people that are so different, that are so diverse in their beliefs, still live in harmony, still attend a church together, even though they have such strong convictions and disagreements that come constantly just butt heads. I'm so glad you asked. This is it. And this is the big idea we're going to unpack today. This is what I need you to write down, send to a friend, uh, write on your neighbor's arm. Unity can be achieved in diversity and disagreement. It is possible. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Unity can be achieved in diversity and disagreement. This was Paul's action step, his main thought, verse 20. It says, don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. Listen, I'll be honest with you. I judge people that tell me that Chick-fil-A is disgusting. All right? I pray for them specifically. Don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. This is what was dividing this church. It would be as if I said, everyone that is for Chick-fil-A, you sit on this side. If you're against Chick-fil-A, you sit on that side. And then we're just going to fight because that's what was happening. They got up, they're getting upset over these dietary laws, the Jewish believers that they felt that they still had to follow. So you have in this moment, you have what we would call the strict legalist and then the free moralist. Say strict legalist. That's good. Say, stri- uh, say a free moralist. Isn't, don't you feel smarter just saying words like that? It makes me feel smart. So again, the strict legalists, they adhered to these strict laws of what they can eat, what festivals they celebrated, what holy days they considered holy. And then what they would do is they would hold that against the Gentiles, who would be the free moralists. And again, which was primarily them because they ate freely. And one of the big issues um, with the strict uh, legalists, the Jewish believers, was meat in the marketplace and this fear that this meat was used in sacrificing to other idols or other gods. Because for them, that meat would be considered unclean. And if they ate that, they themselves would be unclean. Where the Gentiles, they didn't care. They're like, oh, that looks good. Let's have some. 
There was no care about where the meat came from. It doesn't matter if it was grade A, B, C, D, or E, or F uh, on the grading meat scale. So again, here in this first century church, they were having to navigate this tension. And that's what this is. This is a tension to manage, not a problem to solve. This is something that you and I, the us as a church, we're going to go round and round and round managing this tension for all of our lives. Because all of us, honestly, we all have like this expiration date for Thrive. Either maybe you'll move for a job, maybe God will uh, transition you to serve in another church, or maybe um, we'll bury you under the stage. I don't know. But the thing is, the entire time you're going to be here at Thrive, there's going to be these moments where we have to manage attention. We have to manage attention of our personal conviction. We have to manage the attention of our personal preference. And how do we do that? Well, let us look at what happened here in Romans chapter 14. There's five lessons that we can pull from this chapter. Because see, the thing is, in a lot of these instances, these, uh, these disagreements, it's not a right or wrong. The thing is, are we moving the same way down the hallway? I was talking to uh, my small group that I'm a part of this past week, and I made this statement. See, for most things in Christianity, for most things that are disagreements, the common denominator, the bottom line that we can all agree on is salvation through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ alone. It's by faith we are saved, not of works so that no man can boast is what Paul writes. That is foundational. That is pound the table. A lot of other things are conversations to have. Not arguments, not debates, conversations. Because see, here's the truth and here's the, here's the problem with gray areas. Someone is right, someone is wrong. The problem is we won't know until we both are gone. To like that rhyme. I don't know. We'll find out when we go to heaven. And probably at that point in time, I'll be so in, in just enamored with God's glory that I probably won't even care anymore, but maybe I will. And I do have questions. I do have questions I plan to ask. So what do we do? What are some lessons we can learn from this chapter, from these believers? How can we live in harmony? How can we live in unity and be in disagreement? The first one is this, accept that everyone has different levels of convictions. Everyone, they have different levels of convictions. Let's read uh, Romans chapter 14. We're going to read the first three verses. Paul writes this, accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. Again, so in this passage, you have this picture of weak in faith and strong in faith. Because again, the Gentiles thought they had stronger faith because they didn't live by the Levitical law. They didn't have the dietary guidelines. They didn't pick certain days or better than other days that are holier or not holier. So they actually considered themselves to be stronger in faith. So let's keep reading. Verse two, for instance, one person believes it is, it is all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't, and those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. So again, for them, there's this culture, this dietary restriction, this clash especially about foods that have been sacrificed to idols. And it became this personal conviction between some of the believers. Now, I do want to give a quick disclaimer. Um, I don't know if you've ever read disclaimers. They have those little, those little stars by them. Okay, so this is your disclaimer. When I talk about personal convictions this morning, when I talk about the gray areas, here's what I'm not talking about. 
okay? I'm not talking about um, the, the fact that we're going to be okay with sin, all right? I'm not talking about areas in Scripture that are clear where it says God does not call us to do this, okay? I just want to make sure I give this disclaimer out because what I don't want people to do is for us to leave here, you online, to run out here and be like some of the believers that Paul wrote to in Romans says, well, because of God's grace, we can just sin all the more. No, 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 no. We're talking about areas that we may disagree on and that's okay because we can come back together on the common denominator of Christ being the foundation of our salvation. Okay, disclaimer off. So, again, everyone has different levels of convictions. Maybe you are an individual where you don't watch Netflix. You watch Pure Flix. You listen to nothing but K-Love. And guess what? That is okay. That is not a bad thing. I don't feel like you're bubbling yourself off from the real world. Okay, that would be, again, see, when we say the word legalist, a lot of times we get this bad rap. Okay, if you're a strict legalist, that doesn't mean that you're like this jerk that's trying to sit on this high and mighty gavel trying to tell people you're going to, you're wrong, you're wrong. It just means your personal convictions are strict. And that is okay. Maybe you listen to Classic Rock 96.5. Maybe you're listening to DMX on your way here. I don't think anyone listens to DMX anymore. I need to get more relevant. Maybe you are excited for the next series that's dropping on Netflix. Maybe you love binge Listen, whichever side you're on, that's okay. Everyone has a different level of conviction. Now, some of you are like, but wait a minute. Like, I can, like, you can feel the tension start rising up in the room. Like, and I'm going to feel like I'm kind of ranting today. So if you feel that way, congratulations, um, because this is kind of that. I'm not talking about a problem that we can solve. I'm talking about a tension that we have to manage constantly. I can't tell you the number of conversations I'll have with individuals that talk about a personal conviction and they ask me what I think. And it doesn't matter what I think. What matters is what does scripture say. So I just talk about what scripture says. We have to understand that everyone has different levels of conviction and it's okay. Do not condemn them. Do not throw them under the bus. Do not make yourself feel like you are holier and mightier than them because you are better. You're not. For none is righteous. No, not one, Paul wrote. We all have different levels of conviction. There was a church I attended years ago. Um, they actually, from stage, from the microphone, okay? I don't mean like, like in quiet. I mean from the stage, preached and condemned the video game Guitar Hero, um, which I thought was a little silly. And I was like, that's kind of really weird. So again, they took that moment. They made a hard stance on that moment. That was something. That was a great area they were willing to put and die on the hill. Some of you may feel the same way. Guess what? That's okay. Now, see, when we get to the end of this message, you're like, man, Keith, you're okay with a lot of things. I am and I'm not. But there's a reason why I am. And when we get to the end, I'm going to tell you two ways that you can make sure that you can navigate these conversations because you're going to have them. Some of you have already had them. Some of you, maybe you've burnt bridges with people because of this. I've done that. I've had to go back as I read through passages like this and I realize how much I condemned, how much I felt like I was better because I didn't do that. 
I was better than them, but I didn't also tell them about the secret sin that I didn't tell anyone about. It was just for Keith. Everyone has a different level of conviction. Let's keep going. This is exciting. I love this. If you don't, it's okay. So the second lesson we can learn from this passage in chapter 14 is don't condemn someone else's convictions or conscience. Don't condemn them. We're going to look at verse uh, 4 and the first half of verse 5. It says, who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall. And with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. In the same way, some think one day is more holy than another day, while others think every day is alike. So again, Paul is moving to what's pulling them apart. And what's pulling them apart isn't their difference of opinion. What's pulling them apart is how they're condemning one another how they're tearing one another down, how they're drawing these hard lines in the sand for things that, they, that is impossible to draw hard lines in. Don't condemn one another. And again, for them in their culture and day and time, it was these holy days. And see, here, here I'll, I'll tell you something, I'll be honest with you. There are a few things I've been mulling over in my brain, like what are some really good examples of gray areas? What are some fun examples that maybe you'll laugh at? So that then when I tell you some heavier examples, you'll say, hmm. You know, I thought about like wearing a hat because see, I grew up in a church that you weren't allowed to wear a hat once you walked into the sanctuary. You could wear a hat in the hallway, but the second you walk into the sanctuary, oh, this is a holy place. There's something magical that happens in between that door. Yeah. My opinion, we can agree to disagree. I remember when we first started our Richmond City campus, um, one of our worship leaders years ago, he was wearing a uh, beanie while on stage. And half the congregation in the room at that time got extremely upset with him. And you know what he did? And we're going to unpack this. Oh, so much in here just a moment. He took it off because he didn't want to offend them. Do not condemn. You see, there are a lot of things that are gray areas. Guess what? They're dictated by the culture that we live in. I'm going to throw one out there and we're all going to disagree in one way or another on this one. Welcome to thrive. Cussing. Oh, I'm not going to cuss. Don't, don't freak out. But did you know there is a difference between cussing and cursing? When you look in scripture, it talks about don't curse one another. That's to will harm or destruction towards one another. You read in the book of Psalms, you see some of David's beautiful prayers that are straight up cursing God, may their children be fatherless, may their teeth fall out of their head. I mean, hardcore stuff. I'm like, man, David, can you imagine me during the worship transition? God, just let's gather together. And the people that are against us, may their teeth just fall out of their head. Guys, and cussing is different depending upon where you are in the world. There are some words that are, ooh, we can't say that here, that another part of the world, it may not be that bad. Did you know, again, like some of you, I can see you're sitting with your leg crossed on top. Did you know in some cultures, it is a sign of disrespect to show them the bottom of your foot? Things change depending upon where you're at. And guess what? You may completely disagree with me. And you almost say, that's okay. That is all right. 
because that is a gray area. But see, there are some things that are a little bit heavier. And again, the idea and understanding of this is to not condemn when someone has a different opinion or viewpoint than you. Because one thing I'm thankful for for our diversity as a church is we're diverse in pretty much every single way that I could imagine. I mean, we have people that are a part of pretty much every political party that attend this location, Richmond location, uh, joining us online. And here's what that means. Again, some of you, you're tightening up. You're like, oh my God, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. We're gonna, we're, you're going to find out where we're at. No, we don't preach politics at Thrive Church. We preach the Bible. Calm down. But here's the deal. There are viewpoints on all sides of these political parties that all of us are going to disagree or agree on at some point in time or another. And guess what? That's okay. Let me read this again. Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master, he's using a metaphor here, referring to God, our Lord, our creator. Their own master would judge whether they stand or fall. It's not our job to condemn. It's your job, it's my job to be obedient to where we are, to what God's called me to. We can't be so focused on everyone else and everything else that we lose track and lose focus on what God has called me to do, what God has called you to do as an individual. Because did you know, this is crazy, did you know if you were completely focused on being completely obedient to what God wanted, all of us, and I was only focused on being obedient to what God wanted, did you know that we as a church could accomplish more in our community? Why? Because we're focused on obedience instead of who's right and who's wrong. We're focused on obedience instead of, you know what, I am, I can't believe they believe that. I can't believe they would say that. I can't believe they do that. Mm -mm. Let's keep going. Here's the third lesson we're going to look at and understand. Be convinced of your gray area of conviction. Be convinced of your gray area. Focus on your lane where you are, what God has called you to. Let's read. We're going to pick it up in the middle of verse 5 and read verse 6. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor him. Those who eat any uh, kind of food do so to honor the Lord since they give thanks to God before eating. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. Be convinced of your conviction and let it honor God. That is what Paul is saying to these individuals. Be convinced that the way you've chosen is honoring to the Lord. Not honoring to yourself, not self-serving Keith, but is it honoring to God? Can it be treated and viewed as worship? There are some Christian uh, organizations or denominations uh, that think that, like, for example, um, the Seventh-day Adventists, they believe that Saturday is the only day of the week that you can meet and gather and worship God. That's, that's them. But however, according to Paul's instruction here, we can worship God any day of the week. It doesn't have to be just on Sunday. We're having a Saturday Easter experience at 5 p.m. on April the 16th. There may be someone here that think that's crazy because it's not on Sunday. That's okay. I used to work in a restaurant. I worked there for about two to three years, and I worked every single Sunday. 
If I didn't, if, if I were not working on a Sunday, it was because I was sick and dying. That's how they rolled there at Christopher's restaurant. So you know what I discovered during that time? I discovered worshiping God on a different day of the week. I discovered that my time with the Lord in community with believers would happen on a Wednesday instead of a Sunday. Be convinced of your conviction and make sure it is honoring the Lord. See, it's easy for us to have a personal conviction about something when it's serving me. But when we start making sure it's filtered and it honors the Lord, when we start making sure it filters through Scripture that it's honoring the Lord, that's when things can change. Because again, what you think, feel, and believe doesn't matter. What I think, feel, and believe doesn't matter. What does Scripture say? What does Scripture have to say about it? Be convinced of that conviction for you. And then we're going to look at this fourth lesson. And it gives this bigger uh, perspective. We're going to read verse 7 through 12. And it says, For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it's to honor the Lord. And if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. You get the picture? He was, he's, he was pretty repetitive there. Verse 9, Christ died and rose again for this very purpose, to be Lord both of the living and the dead. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. The fourth lesson is we have to understand that we will answer to God for ourselves. You will answer to God for you. That's why we have to be convinced of our personal conviction. It's not because we want to be right. It's because we're going to have to stand before the Lord. We're going to have to stand before him and find out if we've been completely right or completely wrong. That's why it's so important to understand and read scripture. And kind of the judgment that he's talking about here, um, this picture that he's painting is this judgment seat that in the Olympic Games and Greek Olympic Games that the judges would use to basically determine the quality of someone playing the game. And listen, if you're a Christian, you are saved by faith. We are covered by God's grace. But that does not mean we're not going to still have to stand before the Lord. That does not mean that we're going to have to give an account for the way we've been stewards of our lives, of the years, of the dollars, of the time, of our actions. And sometimes we can allow these convictions to have such a higher place in our lives that it prevents us from doing what God has called us to do. You see, I grew up in a very small town in North Carolina, rural North Carolina. Uh, in Sampson County, we were the largest hog-producing county in North Carolina. Mmm, smelled so good. You know, every church there looked the same. If you went to that church, there's pretty good chance, if you're white, the church was pretty much white. If you're black, everyone's going to be black. If you're Republican, everyone's going to be Republican. Everybody was in their own silos. There's not a lot of diversity So for them, when someone walks into their church that's not like them, 
whatever way. Typically, they get shunned and asked to, or maybe even asked to leave because they don't fit in. And I'll be honest with you, that is so tragic. How dare a house of the Lord tell someone or make them feel they don't belong because they don't adhere to their gray areas? I'm so thankful that for me, again, if you feel that we're not this, let me know. But I'm thankful we're a diverse church where we can have conversations, where we can have disagreements, but still have unity. We can still live in harmony, again, forwarding the gospel together. But what we have to remember and understand is your convictions, hopefully they're honoring the Lord and they're led of the Lord, but you and I will answer for our own. My wife and my daughter will not answer for mine. They will answer for their own. And some of you are thinking, man, Keith, this is really heavy and kind of depressing. And there's probably another church in the area that's not as depressing. And you're right. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) Here's the fifth lesson that Paul talks about. Disagreement dies when we think of others first. Disagreement dies when we think of others first. These last 10 verses, verses 13 through 23, it says, so let's stop condemning each other. Decide and said to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. The word stumble here in the original language, it actually means to set a trap, to set a trap for someone for their downfall. I know and am convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. But if someone believes it is wrong, then for that person, it is wrong. And if another believer is distressed by what you eat, you are not acting in love if you eat it. Don't let your eating ruin someone for whom Christ died. Then you will not be criticized for doing something you believe is good. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. Stop being a stumbling block. That's what what Paul is preaching right here. Sometimes we can allow our personal convictions to cause someone else to fall. Because it can give them confusion. It could give them great offense. Well, if they believe that, I'm not going there anymore. Verse 19, so then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. That's so good. I'm going to say it again. So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. Remember, all foods are acceptable, but it is wrong to eat something if it makes another person stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another believer to stumble. You may believe there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they've decided is right. But if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it. If you don't know, don't do it. If you don't know which is the right way, what is God calling you to do or believe, 
Just wait. Have patience. Allow God to lead you. Seek wisdom. For you are not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. See, in this passage, up to this point, he's kind of been speaking to both sides of the aisle. But here he's crossing them. The strict legalist with the free moralist. Aim for harmony. Some of the things you believe is being a stumbling block for this side. This side, you're being a stumbling block for that side. Let's stop trapping each other and being each other's spiritual downfall. Let's stop condemning one another in these areas that, that at the end really do not matter. Stop trying to act like you're better than someone just because your personal conviction is something different than theirs. And the way, it, the way this happens when we put others first is when we put ourselves in the other person's shoes. When we're in that conversation, we're having that discussion where you go, I can't believe they would say that. I can't believe that they believe that. I can't believe they would think that. Seek to understand. That doesn't mean you have to agree. One thing I've discovered in the years of living in Richmond is I am trying to become, what's the word? I'm trying to understand both sides of the fence, both sides of viewpoints. Some of you, again, have strong convictions about things, whether it be um, political or social justice. I want to understand both sides. I want to see where they're coming from. And what happens when we do that? We stop fighting and we start talking. I'm so tired of fighting. I'm so tired of divisions and lines being drawn in the sand that there should be no lines but just conversation. Years ago, a friend of mine, while I lived in North Carolina, he tried church. He walked in, he sat down. And a deacon of the church asked him to leave because of what he was wearing. Because he wasn't in khakis and a polo shirt. He was in jeans. They drew a line in the sand that shouldn't have been. And because of that division. Now again, what I'm saying is not that we have to agree with everything everybody says or thinks or feels or believes. And I see this scripture and I think it reads this but it does mean that we can still be in unity. I'm going to answer a question that some of you may be thinking, and I don't even know how this is going to go. So here we are. Because see, there are some things that are clear in Scripture, but people have differing views on them. For example, if you start studying the book of Revelation, there are some that believe that Christ is going to return before tribulation. There are some that believe Christ will return during tribulation. There are some that believe Christ will return after tribulation. That's okay. People have no problem being okay with differing views on that. Okay? Riots do not start because someone believes that they're post-trib, mid-trib, pre-trib. I believe I'm pan-trib. It's all going to pan out. <laughs> Here's your pastor joke for the week. But when we start talking about issues that actually start making people angry, that's when things get a little bit more dicey. And for you and for me, we have to be convinced of our conviction. And it's not 
based on what we think, feel, and believe. Because what I think, feel, and believe will change between now and next week. What I think, feel, and believe could change before I eat supper. But Scripture, Scripture doesn't. Scripture is true. And we filter these convictions through Scripture. We live and base our lives on the rock that is Scripture. Our house won't fall. So the question is, what do we do? How do we do this? How do we navigate it? I'm going to give you two ways because here's the action step is don't let your conviction create division. Just as Paul said in verse 20, don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. That sounds so silly to us, but it was a big deal to them. Here's two things that you and I have to do. If we're going to navigate this and we're going to navigate it well, here's what we're going to have to do. Sometimes we're going to have to agree to disagree. Your viewpoint on marriage may be different than my viewpoint on marriage. Your viewpoint on the use of marijuana that is legal in certain states, guess what? It may be different than my viewpoint on the use of marijuana as it is in other states. And that's okay. However, you better be convinced of your conviction. And answer is honoring the Lord. And here's the second thing we can do. And this is the tip that you can use at Easter's lunch next in, in the next two weeks. It's called the 101% principle. You find the one thing you can agree on and you focus 100% of your attention on it. Listen, we may disagree on a lot of fronts, but we can agree on this. We can agree that Christ is the only way of salvation. We're not saved by our works, but through the finished work of Jesus and faith in him by God's good grace. And if that's the only thing you can agree on, guess what? You can at least talk about the joy that we have in the Lord and the fact that we didn't save ourselves, but it's through the finished work of Jesus. And here's one thing I've discovered. When you do that, when you focus 100% on the one thing, eventually there might become two things. There might become three things that you agree on. There might become four things. There might, a relationship is what gets built. Because typically what happens when someone doesn't think the way we think, believe what we believe, we push them aside. We push them away because we consider everything that they think, feel, and believe, what they value, their personal convictions is garbage because of this one thing. And that's not always the case. So when we leave here today, when we get into a disagreement at work, when they tell you they think church is stupid, and you ask why, and then they tell you about the time they went to church and they were hurt, maybe you've never been hurt in church. Maybe you've only been to Thrive, and Thrive is a perfect church, <laughs> said with sarcasm. We're not perfect yet. You maybe can't talk about church hurt, but you can talk about, hey, I'm a part of a, a church that I've never been hurt in. Maybe you can try to thrive out. And hey, maybe you're not ready to walk through the front doors, but maybe you're ready to join our online campus. God wants to use you where you are as you are. Okay, 
when we look at this group of believers that had hard divided lines between this in this congregation God still used them for his purpose and his glory the one thing I'm so thankful for about the Lord is that his desire his will can and will go beyond our personal conviction you see for me I was the strict legalist when I first started following Jesus so when I read passages like this, I feel condemned of myself. Because I had this feeling, I had this thought that you had to be a certain way, look a certain way. You couldn't smoke, you couldn't cuss. You couldn't, if you did any of those things, it didn't matter. You're going straight to hell. And I remember uh, going to individuals that smoked, say, hey, can I, can I have a cigarette? And they'd give me a cigarette. And then I would break the cigarette in front of them and tell them how terrible they are. It's, it's, I'm like, as I look back on, on old Keith, I'm like, bro, you're, really? Really, where's God's grace in that? And you think preaching that hate is actually gonna help something? You're just gonna tick them off and they're probably gonna light you on fire with their lighter. <laughs> That's why I said earlier, if, if you knew Keith then, Keith then is not Keith now. And guess what? In another 20 years, I'm not going to be the same Keith then either. Why am I going to look a little different? Probably, yeah, I'll probably lose my hair. I'll probably end up looking like Pastor Kevin. I can pull it off. Because I'm going to continue to study to understand Scripture. I'm going to allow it to shape me. I'm going to allow it to rule me. Because at the end of the day, Paul wrote and said again, for believers, we are not our own, but we were bought at a price. Jesus said in Mark chapter 8 that we are called to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow him. We have to say no to self and say yes to what God desires. And sometimes, as we've talked about today, we have to disagree. And that's okay. Because that's the only way we will continue to be a diverse church is if we have conversations, if we talk about it, if we talk through it. One thing I love is people will ask me questions again about what we think, feel, and believe. I love these questions. Do I get intimidated by these questions? No. Because I get to talk about the goodness of God I get to hear from them what their personal conviction is, and we get to find out where, where does this intersect? Where does this meet? And my prayer is that the same thing will happen for you, that God will continue to soften our hearts so that we can live in harmony together so that we can accomplish the purpose that God has for us as individuals and us as a church. But it's not going to happen unless we do this, unless we stop allowing our convictions to create division. And thankfully, I'm preaching to the choir. This is not something we're terrible at. This is something we're great at. And this is just a great reminder. But I'll be honest with you. This is a tension to manage, not a problem to solve. You may feel great about this today, but tomorrow, typically, I I don't know about you, but anytime I'm preaching something, that's what I get tested in for like the next two to three weeks 
So I foresee us having a lot of great conversations um, over the next several weeks out of this. But at this time, guys, let's pray and ask God to help us in this as we digest this passage in Romans 14. God, I pray today that you would just, God, by your good grace, God, you've brought us together, whether in person or online. God, I pray that you would continue to complete and finish the work you have for each of us as you talk and write in Philippians. God, help us to be convinced of our personal convictions. God, convinced that they honor you. Convinced that they are the convictions that we should have for our lives. God, help us to not be a stumbling block to others that may have different viewpoints. God, help us to live in harmony with one another. God, working towards us fulfilling what you desire. God, help us to not allow our convictions to create division. God, help us to be okay with maybe agreeing to disagree. God, help us to practice the 101% principle to focus 100% of our attention on the one thing that we can agree on. God, at the end of the day, when we are all, when this earth is gone and we have all passed away, when we are in eternity, God, and for followers of Christ, we are there with you. God, we are going to be a diverse people. We're not going to be separated according to uh, any type of separation of whether it be culture, race, nationality. God, we are going to be one body worshiping you. God, I pray that we emulate that here on earth, that we don't wait for heaven for that to take place. God, I'm thankful for how you have made us as a community of believers. God, continue to help us, shape us, mold us to be the men and women that you desire us to be, to live lives that honor you, that glorify you. And as we continue to pray this morning, if, if you're here with us in person or online and you've never made the decision to follow Jesus, I want to give that opportunity to you. And making the decision to follow Christ is, is you surrendering, you realizing that you cannot save yourself that it's only believing and having faith in the fact that Jesus died and came back to life on that third day. And in his resurrection, in him coming back to life, he conquered the power of sin that's over each of us. And that in believing in that, we are forgiven of our sins and that we have eternal life and we have a relationship with our creator. And if you wanna make the decision to follow Jesus today, I want you to pray this prayer with me. This is a confession of faith and just say, God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that by the finished work of Jesus, I am forgiven of my sins. 